got a bad feeling about this where this program is starting here tonight. Just listen up, JR. Pay attention. Let's see what they got to say. These fans need to maybe get on their good side. You know. Give them a chance. Maybe show them some respect. Why? We're here tonight to set the record straight. We came in here earlier today, and you would not believe the amount of heat we had with the boys. Some of the stairs were actually kind of frightening. And for what? I mean, because of some reputation we have? I mean, in the last couple of weeks, words have been thrown around in association with the NWO like poison. We've heard that. Cancer. You know, some people say that we're self-servant. You know, some people actually have used profanity and have said that the NWO is a bunch of company-killing bastards. I think that was you that said that, JR. And speaking for myself and my two friends here, let me tell you something. That hurts our feelings. I mean, what is it we've done? What, what awful thing did we do? King, their feelings are hurt. Give me a break. I mean, all we want is a, a fair chance. A, a clean slate. We want the ability to come out and prove to you great fans Applauding the fans. Not only can we do it, but nobody does it quite like us. Well, that was that was actually pretty humble. Hey yo. We're not the bad guys. Heck, we're a bunch of marks. We're fans. We just want the opportunity to work with some of the great WWF superstars. I mean, we might even get some autographs. Hey. Maybe take some pictures. If we're lucky, uh, we might even get to drink some beer with the boys. <laughs> Not you. But the point is, we don't want any trouble. 
because deep down, we're just like all of you. Sure they are. Sure they are, King. Well, maybe, maybe we should give them a chance. Scott and Kevin, I couldn't agree with you more. We're, we're just like all of you out there. I mean, we might be a little richer and a little more famous, but I mean, we're not here to kill the WWF. We're here to make it better. Well, that's a relief. All we want to do is give the WWF fans exactly what they want. And all we want from you is a chance. But it's up to all of you out there and all the boys in the back if we get our chance. That remains to be seen. But I can tell you one thing right now. In all sincerity, there's one man who gave the NWO a chance, and that was Vince McMahon. And right now, I'd like to thank Vince McMahon for the opportunity and I want to tell you, Vince McMahon, we will not let you down. God bless Vince McMahon. Thank you. And God bless all of you, too. And last of all, God bless America. Thank you for the chance. Can we give a chance to you? I can't speak for you, huh? I don't buy into one word that we just heard. Not half corny and say it. I mean, that's going to be taking five minutes again. I mean, God bless America. Who could give a damn about America? Who could care less about the fans that are here? These three guys care about only one thing, and that's each other. Well, wait a minute. Let me, let me ask you this. Is it possible, JR? Is it, is it possible that they've changed? I, I, I assume that anything is possible, King, but... Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. You're joining me by phone this week because I'm at the radio station and for some reason I can't figure out how to get you on uh, to Skype or anything else to be recorded. So you're on phone. That's fine. You sound good enough. That's all good. How are things going for you, my friend? We're going good. Everything's everything's running smooth. Everything's going good. Uh, just keeping busy, man. What about you? Oh, things are good, except uh, as far as pro wrestling goes, as far as watching the current product, I've kind of been tuned out. For a long time, I was watching uh, Raw, and I'd watch for about 30 minutes and then tune out. But now I'm not even doing that. And so, and now I have no idea what's going on. I know that in NXT they had, uh, of course, Adam Cole lost his belt. So uh, now there's a double champion. Keith Lee, 
Keith Lee now has the NXT North American Championship and NXT Championship on Great American Bash. So you have a double champion in NXT, which tells me that Adam Cole is probably going to go to the main roster. As far as what's going on in AEW, you have the FTW Championship come back, which is really embarrassing in my opinion as that's something that that's something that needed to, I mean no one gives a shit about this and uh, I kind of liked it in ECW but yeah they're going to have to pull something out of their ass to make this work however I am very excited to announce that a good friend of mine and Brian Pillman Jr. will be the first to go up against Brian Cage for the very first title defense of the STW title coming up this week on AEW Dynamite. Yeah, I'm not sure about Brian Pillman's status with MLW, but he is working a couple. He worked AEW Dark, and he's working against Brian Cage, so he is uh, doing so. MLW is not running anything right now, so Court Bauer is not going to tell you you can't go work right now because. There's a, there's a huge risk in working, obviously, with the pandemic and everything, but uh, if they're not running shows, he's not going to stop you because uh, Court Bauer seems like a really cool guy and he's not going to stand in your way of earning a living. Yeah. yeah. So, good for Brian Pillman Jr. Don't like the FTW Championship coming back because... Mainly because it's so old and it's something like, I just don't like wrestling always going to the well. And uh, I mean, that's, I mean, this whole podcast is about going to the well and reviewing old pay-per-views. But at the same time, like the pay-per-view we're reviewing for this episode is going to, it's going to the well. It's going to what's already been done before. And the FTW championship is something that's already been done before. And so I just think that just leave that behind. Move on. There's nothing there's nothing written in stone that says you have to always reference stuff. And also, it's about building new fans. And that's something that pro wrestling, not just WWE, but all the pro wrestling companies have failed to do, in my opinion, is build the new fan. You have to build the new fan. You can't keep servicing the old fan. You can't keep servicing you and I and saying, oh, here's the FTW championship. You know what that is, right? Okay, yeah, we do, but does an 8-year-old, does an 11-year-old, what got us into wrestling as kids, what are you putting out there for that? That's what's you're supposed to generate new fans. It's not about retaining the old fans because if if we've stuck around with this thing till 2020, we're probably lifers at this point. Uh, we're probably not going to go anywhere. So I just think it's more important to generate the new fan than always give lip service and catering to the old fans. Like saying, oh, here's an old manager you remember. Here's an old wrestler you remember and scooting it our way. Occasionally, occasionally that's fine. But when you get now, when you're getting into championship belts that weren't even really prominent that were this was an ecw exclusive kind of thing and it was taz and sabu and they were like the only two champions this was this is a very niche kind of reference and so 
I'm not really behind that. I, I just think it's time to move forward. But uh, I, I realized that they needed something for Brian Cage to do since uh, John Moxley was not going to wrestle because of Renee's COVID diagnosis. So I, I guess I get that. So um, I just it's to me it's all about generating new fans and wrestling still hasn't figured out a way to do that. I mean, I think AEW is trying, and I think they're doing much better than WWE right now with putting forth that effort. Nostalgia is always going to be uh, present in pro wrestling. It's I just wish it'd be a little less present. But uh, what else is happening in the news desk from pro wrestling this week? Well, speaking of belts, WWE has a new United States title. They unveiled it this past week on Raw, and it looks like shit. MVP revealed this belt, and it looks, as our friend Bren described it, it looks to me like a uh, high school graduation ring. It just looks, to me, it, it looks like every other WWE title except for the IC belt, the women's tag belts, and the UK belt, in that it looks like it's something that, yeah, it should be put on a ring, and it's not, it's got a big eagle on it, but it doesn't have a globe or anything. It doesn't look, there's nothing really special about it. It's not something that's going to be remembered. And the way these mid-card titles are treated, really, because that's what it all comes down to, is the way that they're actually presented is, it's going to mean nothing how it looks, because it's all about how it's defended and how it's treated. Because you can have a John Cena Spinner US belt, but it means more when it's on John Cena and he's having meaningful matches. But if you have whatever the belt looks like on guys that are having nothing matches well it's gonna mean nothing so it's a hideous looking belt to me but most of the wwe titles are pretty ugly to me what's you what's your opinion on the u.s belt i think it's hideous i think all they did was just add a big eagle in the middle and made it made it be like oh well we took the w off so why are y'all complaining? We, you wanted the W gone. You wanted the logo gone. You wanted a classic-looking belt. That's not a classic-looking belt. It's, it By no means is it any different than having just a giant W on the front. Uh, I don't consider it to be a, a classic-looking belt. I will, however, give them kudos on uh, at least giving it a try, but they have a lot more to learn moving forward with that. Yeah, well I don't I don't really think they care what the belts look like anymore. They when someone like Hunter is in charge of what the belts look like, I think that's what you're gonna get. And belts aren't really the design of them aren't really important to them. And I mean even the even I used to give the UFC a lot of credit because I really loved their old belt design but even they went and fucked it up to where they made it into an octagon and took away the gold and made it look like 
not like a wrestling belt and stuff like that. And there's boxing belts that look bad to me. There's it's it's what it is. It really doesn't matter. It's how it's defended. It's how it's utilized. The actual item itself isn't all that important. It's how they emphasize those mid card titles and. For years and years, we've had glimpses of hope with both the IC and US belt, and they fizzle out. And so, and those tag belts are hideous. And so, it's whatever. Like it's it's how you present it, and it's how you you defend them. And uh, if they look hideous or whatever, that's I think we can get over that if we have great matches week to week. But if it's an ugly belt and they're never defending it. Then we'll just say, well, this. Oh, you're the U.S. belt. You're. Oh, you're the U.S. champion, and well, that belt sucks, and you suck because you never do anything with it. So, yeah, that's just the way those mid card and tag belts have gone for a long time in the WWE. I'm not a big fan of it, so we would love to hear what you think about it, fans wise, but. I think it's going to be somewhat of a unanimous decision going forward. Um, WWE bought Evolve. They now own it. What's your opinion on it? Evolve was founded by one of the co-founders of Ring of Honor, Gabe Sapolsky, and really served as a secondary training ground for WWE. It wasn't officially recognized as a training ground because uh, they they mainly, they said NXT. We're just, everybody goes through NXT and that's it and that's the bottom line and so if you don't go through NXT, you're not coming here. But they also started paying Gabe Sapolsky and Evolve Back in 2018, they signed a contract with Gabe Sapolsky and Evolve to hire Gabe as a consultant, which is very similar to what they did with Paul Heyman in ECW, where it's like, okay, well, yeah, we're not we're not totally financing the whole thing. We're just paying this guy a little bit of money. That's all we're doing. We're not. We're, it's not to take talent, but that's exactly what they did because. They put an Evolve pay-per-view on the the WWE Network last year. They put Austin Theory is now on the main roster of the WWE. He was their champion. And so now they have the Evolve video library, which actually goes back uh, quite, a, quite a bit as far as uh, years of tape that they have because... It was formed in 2010, and it took, you know, some time off here and there. But they actually formed their relationship with WWE. Not even Gabe's contract, but Evolve's contract started in 2015. They've had five years to scout talent in Evolve. And so WWE just went ahead and bought them out. And and in these economic times, I guess I can see Gabe's... Um, decision to go ahead and sell because who knows what the future holds in the short term so just go ahead and cash it out I mean they've already got a vested interest in it and yeah I think that this will give WWE some 
leeway as far as we've talked about it for years as far as their tiered system of the network. They've got a free version on the network now. They've got the $10 version. Maybe this gets you to, if you really love indie wrestling, maybe they buy the tape library of Rev Pro or some other kind of indie company, and then they give you Evolve on top of it, and they charge you $12.99. Maybe you're really in, maybe you're just hardcore like that. So I think that's the reason they want it, is just to have more footage available for the network. And also more footage available for the network for the fighters they signed from Evolve that are on the roster when they want to do these documentaries about them. They don't have to go back and pay them more money. But um, that's all I can see of it is just giving them more content to put on the network. And this yeah. is, this this has been talked about for a few years as far as WWE... Uh, trying to expand the network offerings because uh, Evolve was very heavily involved with the WWN Live Network and Flow Sports and Flow Slam, which went out of business within a year. I think Flow Slam went out of business within a year. So um, they certainly wanted some somewhere to put their content. Now, as far as keeping this promotion going, I, I, I don't know because I think they want everybody in NXT. So I think it's going to be another instance where they take select contracts from this company and put them in NXT and then just fold the brand. I, I don't see them continuing to run Evolve events. But uh, a big acquisition, not sure a dollar amount attached to it, but... Uh, to just go ahead and secure that, I think that was going to happen eventually, and this was just the right time as far as to, to for Gabe's sake to get him out of this during these uncertain times. To, I mean, when when you don't know when you're going to run your next event, and you've got an offer from a company for millions of dollars i think you gotta take it so i think that's how i would explain this purchase i think it was uh, a wise decision on his part and i think yeah like you said wwe's just trying to find uh, a secondary uh, source of information for the wwe network Anything to get someone to pay a higher tier price or anybody or anything to try to get someone to sign up that's not interested in the WWE product or old territories or the vault. If you want the stuff that we always talk about that that we talk about that's available on Power Slam TV, like if WWE went to CZW and said, we want your entire archives, what do you want for it? I think CZW would be open to hearing it. I don't know that WWE would want to have that kind of... I don't think they want Tournament of Death 9 on their network, but it gives them more content and it gives them more reason for someone to want to sign up because someone that's signed up for something like Power Slam and someone that's also signed up for WWE Network... Okay, so you're paying $6 a month for Power Slam and you're paying 9 for... 
9.99 you're paying 10 for WWE network so you're paying $16 let's see WWE gets the rights to the stuff you like on Power Slam and they offer it to you for 13 or 14 now you're going to go ahead and drop that other subscription so that's what it's all about to me is just amassing that video library and just making that and a lot of this stuff is stuff that's already good to go as far as streaming because it doesn't have copyrighted music because it's all come about in this era where it's not like they have to go back and redub themes and stuff like that. It's all come about in the, the streaming age and where they don't have to go back and do a lot of work. It's one of the reasons why I've thought for years they should have reached out to Sinclair and gotten the, gotten the Ring of Honor library because I don't know how many people are signing up for Honor Club. And, you know, if you want to go see Tyler Black matches, you would have to sign up for Honor Club or even Global or Impact Plus. I was going to say Global Wrestling Network, but that's the old name. And so I've never understood why they haven't just said, how much do you want for it? To even lease it I know that's not in their obviously that's not in their interest to lease footage because I think that's what they would have done already they want to buy it outright but if you're someone like Impact and Anthem sell it, it it's a, just sell it just get get the biggest amount of money you can get out of it because I guarantee you whatever the WWE is going to pay you for it now is more than what you'll get from licensing it yourself. And I, I that I hate to say that for companies like Ring of Honor and Impact, but they will never reach the kind of people, they'll never reach the market that WWE can. So I think you sit there with some mathematicians and some financial experts, and they give you a valuation on your tape library, and they say, okay... At your current popularity rate, even in, okay, say you explode in 20 years, is this tape library worth that? I mean, so just go ahead and sell it now. Uh, so that's, I think more companies should, should take the Evolve route, not necessarily with selling your company outright or allowing them to scout your talent, but as far as your tape libraries, sell that shit, like cash out i just i've never understood holding on to something if you can't make money with this yourself but you know a company that can and you know a company that's gonna pay you for it just go ahead and and dump it so right i've spent a long time waxing poetically about tape libraries so what else do you have for us in the news desk uh ray mysterio right now is working without a contract we sort of talked about this before the the recording started, but uh, again, this is uh, I would chalk this up to uncertain times where it's not like Rey Mysterio Jr. can can barter with them and can uh, take them to the negotiating table and say, "I've got this X amount of dollars from New Japan. I've got X amount of dollars from AW, and I think I'm going to leave because." No one knows at this point with the pandemic when they're going to be able to get up to full speed again. And so paying him on a per show basis is going to 
be fine for now. It's not like he was a featured player anyway, so even if they cut him, it's fine for him and it's fine for them because he's just never, since he came back, was never featured in... I know he had that one title match against Brock, but outside of that was not featured really at all in the title picture the top tier so i think he'd he'd be fine if they cut him but hey if you're gonna pay me week to week that's fine whatever 30 people have tested positive in three weeks time at the wwe performance center that is a lot of people yeah and well the wwe performance center being in Orlando, uh, the day we're recording is a Sunday, the 12th of July, and they set a record in Florida for positive COVID cases, They even beating New York's total daily count. They set 15,000 at least were positive today, which is so an all-time record for a state, so congratulations to Florida, I guess. But uh, this is not necessarily you know just a wrestling issue this is uh anybody that's doing anything in florida i saw some videos out of disney world reopened over the weekend i saw some concerning videos out of disney world florida in general not a very good place to be and also anytime you're doing these kind of contact sports i don't know you're gonna keep running into hiccups uh the mls they had a big event planned for today that they had to postpone because some of the soccer players got sick. You have a lot of the baseball players backing out of the season. The season was uh, shortened to 60 games. You have a lot of the players backing out. You have some of the basketball players, which is also taking place in Florida, backing out in Orlando at Disney World, a lot of them backing out. But also, at the same time, for some reason, even though there's a shortage of tests uh, in the U.S. For, for normal people, the NBA, they have to take like two tests before they get on the practice court. They have to take two tests when they leave and two tests before they get on the playing court. So for some reason, the NBA has this abundance of COVID-19 testing. So the bubble for the NBA playoffs in Orlando seems to be pretty locked down. But They need to uh, share that with the rest of the world. Uh. That would be nice. It would be nice. if, Well, Patrick, if we were 6'8", 6'9", NBA players, we, we would have access to all this stuff. Well, and some of the amenities they're getting in this, look, I mean, that's part of their negotiation or whatever, but, like, man, they're getting extravagant treatment but i mean they're they're great basketball players but like the the nhl is starting back up in canada well canada overall has been trending downward in the pandemic so that makes sense to send all the nhl players to canada uh if that's if you can keep them safe but i think all the sports are going to run into to trouble and the wwe was sort of the well, they never stopped, so they they are obviously they're going to be the test case for this. Uh, well, and then they also did some things wrong, as far as I'm concerned. With they started out with just temperature checks, and temperature yeah. checks temperature checks are not indicative of whether you have the disease or not because 
you might not run a fever you might be asymptomatic and or maybe you start a fever two days in but you worked sunday and now you're working tuesday or whatever so they went about that the wrong way but they also at the same time they told wrestlers well if you feel uncomfortable being here you don't have to be here so that's why you have roman reigns and Sami Zayn sitting at their house because they don't feel comfortable being there so they've but then they put people in the audience without face masks they put people and still without doing tests and they've really they i don't know how to describe it. it's such a tough position to be in uh, as far as a sporting league goes and as far as wrestling goes and they have these huge tv contracts the wwe specifically they have to put this product out there but like i've talked about on the last few shows they could have easily put the edge documentary or the they did put some of the undertaker documentary they could do other things you don't have to have wrestling matches but they have done that and they have faced the consequences and unfortunately i think they're going to continue to run into problems and yeah. i mean that just and then that's for all sports and for anybody that's trying to for anybody it's trying to do anything like i wonder about it in my own uh my own job uh that i work i work at a media company and i wonder okay i sit in a control room with some other people i sit in in an office space with some other people if someone else is positive they're not are that i highly doubt they're gonna say okay well you were sitting across from this person and they got they're positive so you're gonna go home for two weeks I have a feeling they're not going to do that. So I don't no. I don't know. I just don't. There's no plan. There's no plan for anything. There's no one knows what to do. We're completely lost as far as how to manage this and how to move forward. Because you don't, you don't want to shut everything down. Okay. But you don't. But if you continue, more people are going to get sick. And some people will get sicker than others. Some people won't get sick at all. It's a terrible position to be in. But that being said, I mean, the WWE, like we discussed, has a deep roster and they can they can move people around. But also, like I said last week or the week before, you can't take a Seth Rollins. You can't take someone in a central storyline and just replace them with Tyler Breeze. You can't just instantly swap them out. So it's a tough place to be in. So uh, I don't. I don't know what to do. I, I wouldn't have any answers for them. I don't have any answers for myself. So it's a. It's a really tough place. Yeah, it's a hard place to find yourself in. It's just kind of got a. I guess figure figure it out themselves. I don't I don't know the proper way of going about it myself. They're independent contractors and they have downside guarantees and all like that. I mean, the WWE like we talked about when they released all those wrestlers is not in a position where they would go belly up if they had to stop shooting wrestling. They could still pay these guys for a long period of time like I just don't know I just don't know what to do. 
they're actually right. i mean and they're actually saving money by running out of the performance center because they don't have to go on the road so in a weird way this has saved them money so it's really this whole thing is just really fucked up i mean there's no other way to put it like it's just a really fucked up situation and uh hopefully it gets back to normal soon enough but i I don't know how i don't know how when you when you don't want to shut because now now that we've shut things down and we've opened it back up they're not going to shut it back down again there was and that's and as soon as we shut things down the first time i was like okay well this is bad but if we do it long enough it's gonna hurt really bad but if we do it long enough it'll be done well and we can open back up we open back up too soon in a lot of places and that's just my opinion but then but now there's no there's no going back because now you've i just it's even worse i think than if you just let things if you kept it shut down the whole time it's it's even worse somehow to bring them back and then shut them down again i don't know how i don't know what to do <laughs> it's it's really bad but uh we'll we'll get off world events and go to the next wrestling story <laughs> well uh world events moving forward we have none other than the Hulk Hogan documentary, uh, he came out and said that he was not expecting this to be as much of a physical role as it has turned out to be. And so he's a little bit on edge about the whole thing. He's trying to get even more Jack for this role than he was in Thor and all that other stuff. Yeah, so this is Chris Hemsworth, who's playing Terry Bollea in the Hulk Hogan documentary. As I discussed with you, I don't know exactly where you cut off a Hulk Hogan documentary. Do you want to get into the darkness? Do you want to get into the Gawker lawsuit? Do you want to get into the sex tape? Where do you stop it? Do you stop it when he slams Andre Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3? I almost called it Hulk Hogan 3. Hulkamania 3. WrestleMania 3. Because uh, I, I think actually that's where I would stop it, I think, is WrestleMania 3, him slamming Andre. That is... And just end it there. End it on a nice note because there was some uh, some turmoil before then because with the AWA, Vern didn't want him to go do Rocky and uh, he went and did it and he wanted 10% of his gate from then on out as he did with all the wrestlers. And so the AWA blew the entire wrestling world they they blew their chance at being the the top tier wrestling organization when they let hulk hogan walk out the door and so i think wrestlemania 3 would be a good place to end it but uh, i guess they're gonna go on past then and they can do linda hogan they can have nick slamming his car with into a, a wall with his passenger they can have uh, Brooke and her bad singing career. They can have everything in there. Uh, but at the same time, as I was telling you, uh, Chris Hemsworth, a much better looking fella uh, than Hulk Hogan. And that's not even me being like, I'm not attracted to Chris Hemsworth. I just know uh, looking at the two people, if you told me which, I mean, if you just said which one of these two people looks better than the other, 
Chris Hemsworth looks like a Greek god. That's why he got to play Thor. Hulk Hogan looks like Hulk Hogan. There's no one else on this planet that looks exactly like Hulk Hogan outside of the people that impersonate Hulk Hogan because he's got the mustache. He's got the, uh, in the 80s, the massive roidy out 24-inch pythons. There's nobody... The blonde, there's nothing that looks like this person. The the red and the yellow, and there's there's nothing that looks like Hulk Hogan. So uh, Chris Hemsworth, whatever they do to him, whatever bald cap they put on him, it's going to be really hard for me to buy if I watch this thing, which I probably won't. I mean, it depends on the reviews. You're but, gonna watch it. Don't even act like you're not. I'll watch it if the reviews are good. If it's like some great piece of film, but it doesn't look anything like him. So I'm not. I know I've just had too many years with Hulk Hogan's image to sit there and say, "Okay, this guy looks like I, I can buy this." Like, no, because even though Hogan's probably near seventy now, he still looks more like Hulk Hogan than Chris Hemsworth could ever look with even the most amount of makeup in the trailer. So uh, as far as him getting into, yeah, okay. I took that statement as meaning I got to do a lot of steroids for this role. That's all. That's all I took it as is yeah. that, that Thor isn't as uh, roidy as Hulk Hogan, which is a scary thing to think about that. Yes, this comic book character is not crazy jacked as this man that was actually and still alive in the 1980s. That this comic book character that someone drew on a piece of paper and said, "Isn't this crazy? Doesn't this guy look uh, jacked out of his mind? There could never be someone like this, huh? This is a superhero." And then there was a guy in the 80s that uh, turned out to be bigger than him. So that's kind of concerning. So um, my 20 Python brother. Absolutely, and uh, we'll see how that documentary plays out. But what else do you have for us from the news desk, sir? I have uh, the good news and the bad news. Which one you want first? Well, let's start out with the bad news then. All right, Necro Butcher. Uh, Necro the Butcher has been on the indie scene, and you know he's retired. A legendary wrestler that never really made a a specific company his home he was a he was proud to be i guess one of those last territory style i would like to consider uh style of wrestlers he was a a part of the movie the wrestler he was um he just he did his own thing his own way and I am more than uh, a fan of his with a, a lot of his hardcore style that he has done. Unfortunately, he's come out and said that he is being diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, we do wish him the absolute very best moving forward. Um, we hope that he is able to get better. He is not in any way going to have to suffer through this uh i have heard it can be difficult at times uh i don't know much about this diagnosis so i don't know all the details and the significance of it but i do hope that 
he uh, he does get better. I hope that he is able to do much better uh, moving forward in the fact that maybe we can see him in the rig again. Uh, he did quote unquote retire, but you, as we all know, you never say never in wrestling. But uh, so yeah, we wish him the best of luck and hope everything works out great for him. Yeah, Necro Butcher was a guy that I actually saw in. 1999 not in person but on mtv's true life on want to be a pro wrestler he was one of the the wrestlers featured and i mean he was in his early 20s then and i never knew oh this guy's gonna be around forever and ever he's basically the greatest backyard wrestler of all time is i mean he's called a brawler he's called a called a hardcore uh, specialist, but this guy is really, if you just wrestled in your backyard for 20 some odd years, you would be Necro Butcher. Uh, he spent a lot of time in CZW and Juggalo Championship Wrestling and then uh, ended his stint with uh, GCW and Joey Janela at the Spring Break Show in 2019. But he also did some shows in Japan in December of 2019. So, of course, he's one of those guys, just like you said, that he's not retired ever, really. He got diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, it requires six to eight cycles of chemotherapy. And somehow, Necro Butcher has fathered six children. He has six kids. So... Uh, that's really uh, the more important thing is that he gets healthy for them. Uh, Necro Butcher, yeah, definitely a legend in hardcore lore. He's had a lot of fights with, with people of note, uh, none of which I'm going to look up for you because I'm too lazy, but uh, he's definitely done a lot. He's somebody that, that the WWE and the mainstream would never touch. He's somebody that... And he was fine with that. I mean, that was how he wanted to be. But uh, he is all about getting bloody and getting beat up. And that's what he did. That was his specialty. A specialty that, going forward into the future, will probably not exist anymore. Because people are wising up to head injuries and uh, blood uh born illnesses and other things and they're gonna say no i don't really want to do hardcore wrestling and if i ever want a real shot in this industry i'm not gonna start out doing hardcore wrestling so um one of the last of his kind i think really as far as i mean you've had guys like sammy callahan and uh nick gage and guys like that who have gotten contracts with impact and and stuff like that but to me, I think it's just a dying kind of breed of of wrestler. It's just uh, uh, it's just the way the industry's changed. Yeah, I agree, and it's uh, you know, we we do hope that he he makes a full recovery. Uh, a legendary man, I would suggest, in the style that he has been and uh, has done. And like I said, we, we wish him the best. Uh, I'm a fan of his. I've always enjoyed his style to a degree because he's, he's willing to go over and above and beyond 
to make every fan happy, to make every show the very best it can be. And I just find that to be absolutely awesome. So, uh, yeah, you know, get better soon. Daryl Logan, first of all, the good news is I was right, okay? Let's <laughs> give me my props. Give me my props. I was right. Yeah, you hypothesized about why she was stepping away from wrestling, and you said maybe she wants to start a family, and uh, you you were correct. Yes, she is, in fact, pregnant, and so congratulations to her, and, you know, we look forward to seeing how this all plays out, seeing if it's a boy or a girl or if it's, you know, a future wrestler or, you know... It'll be a Viking, of course. That's true. That's true. It has uh, easily... uh, It has all the genetics to be a Viking because, of course, her husband is Eric of the Viking Raiders, so... And her character was pretty much a female Viking, so there you go. It's... They're going to have a little Viking. Enjoy. (laughs) That's... Great for them, and uh, a scary t- a scary time to be pregnant in this world of a, of a worldwide pandemic. But uh, hopefully, uh, nine months from now, everything will be fine. And uh, just watch just, just watch The Walking Dead, and they will help you get through it all. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to scare somebody into, oh, you're pregnant during this terrible thing. Here, watch. Watch Lori from Walking Dead. You'll see how this turns out for her. Uh, You can raise a kid in in an apocalypse, in a pandemic virus that's going worldwide. You can raise a kid just like this. You just have to do do it as a single parent. So, yeah. Too bad about that. So now it's time for our review from this week. It was your pick. It was No Way Out, WWE's pay-per-view from 2002. February 17th, we had to Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Bradley Center in front of 15,291 paying fans to see the re-debut of the NWOA um, organization that had been uh, done to death, I think, and uh, was you could tell was uh, on its last legs here in 2002, but Vince McMahon decided, hey, let's give it one more shot. Yeah, let's just see how it all plays out and go from there. I think it was, hey, let's sell some T-shirts because this is probably the most popular wrestling T-shirt of all time, even above Austin 316, even above the DX shirt. This is the shirt that... Still sells. Still sells today. I bought a hoodie of with this logo on it two years ago. So to this day, it still sells. It's uh, the the closest comparison in the last uh, twenty years. The Bullet Club shirts and uh, the Bullet Club recently breaking up, so they're not going to sell any more shirts. And, and like the Elite going to all Elite Wrestling, that ended that. And so yeah, this was. Uh, I think that was really the reason to bring it back because when these guys came out tonight, I think immediately Vince realized, well, he didn't realize immediately, but I realized that, you know what? You didn't have to have Hogan included with Hall and Nash. You could have had Hall and Nash separate. Still sold some NWO shirts, but 
Hogan and the WWF are different than the NWO, and this was the wrong way to reintroduce them. And also, storyline-wise, it makes no sense, Patrick. It makes no sense whatsoever. Because, well, the reason I say that is because, okay, in March of 2001, we all know that Vince McMahon put WCW out of business. Congratulations. And so, final Nitro, Shane says, I bought WCW. A couple months later, Shane tries to launch WCW. It sucks. So, then it's the Alliance. So, it's Shane and Stephanie versus Vince. for It's the Alliance. It's ECW and WCW versus WWF. Survivor Series. It's winner takes all. WWF versus the Alliance. One of these two companies is going to go out of business. Surprise, surprise. The WWF wins its own event. And puts the alliance out of business, so then Ric Flair becomes the co-owner somehow, even though I think Vince should have looked over the paperwork before that match and said, you know what, if you guys lose, I should be the full owner, because that's the way most things work. But, okay, I can overlook that kind of bullshit. Okay, fine. So Ric Flair is the co-owner of the WWF, so they're 50-50 owners. And then Vince decides, you know what, I spent almost a year trying to keep my business. Now I'm going to put myself out of business. It makes no sense whatsoever, Patrick, that uh, in... January or whatever it was that Vince said, I'm going to put WWF out of business. Well, he could have just done that the easy way and just lost at Survivor Series and been done with it. So he brought in the NWO to put himself out of business. What kind of sense does that make after fighting for not even including just from 2001, but going back to, I don't know, 1980-something when he took over the company when he tried to take when he took over the world and was basically left it was him and Ted Turner i mean he's been fighting for 30 years to be the only wrestling company and now all of a sudden he wants to take himself out of business a great storyline but it's kind of difficult unless you suspend disbelief it's not going to work that's right so we start with the nwo coming out which if this wasn't the age of the internet where people knew already that these guys were signed I probably wouldn't have advertised this beforehand. Like, he did say the NWO was coming back. He didn't say exactly who, but uh, high-speed internet was around by then for some people. I mean, a lot of people still had dial-up. And uh, a lot of people knew who was to be expected. And so I thought this was the really the wrong way to introduce them, uh, going back to... Nexus or the Shield, the way they were introduced were with big beatdowns, with big explosive introductions. So what do you do with the NWO when they come back after two years? Well, that was a silver and black. This is this is the black and white. This is the original incarnation coming back after, uh, I'd say, mid-98, probably. The three of these guys were still together before the red and black took off, so... You're talking about four years. Uh, why not have them come back with a big beatdown at the end of the show, not even do this thing at the start of the show? But nope. Let's just have them come out and cut a promo. It was really weird. Uh, we missed the match on Heat, which was DDP working the Heat match against... Oh. Yeah, yeah. One of the top guys, the top champions of WCW, working the main event of Heat, 
Defeated. Coming off the heels of a uh, of a historic uh, perverted storyline with the uh, Undertaker. Yeah, the Undertaker made him so famous that he was the main event of Heat against Bossman by disqualification for the European title. So DDP was the European champion in 2002, February of 2002. We again. This is a February pay-per-view. So this is one of those pay-per-views, just like a December pay-per-view, where there's very little interest because you know they're not going to shift around their WrestleMania main event. So that's, I think, why they wanted to go ahead and advertise the NWO is going to be there, is to sell some pay-per-views, because usually these February shows you just skip out on because nothing's going to change. Now, uh, they did fool us tonight. They did try to change something, but they swapped it right back on Raw, so it didn't even matter. So some of this pay-per-view was complete bullshit anyway. But we start with the NWO coming out. JR and King have the call. Uh, The set uses the WWF trailers, which I thought was an innovative use of their tractor trailers, so they had white tractor trailers at this point with the WWF logo on the on the far right side of them. So they put them opposite sides of the Tron, and they could hit them with a projector. So they used their own trailers to make mini Trons. So I thought this was really a good idea. Very, very smart, yes. Very smart idea. And they used a street sign for the main logo. So a street sign shaped Titan Tron, so it was all street themed for some reason hogan nash and hall strut out to the nwo theme music they get a good reaction from the crowd nash gets the mic first he says we're here tonight to set the record straight we had a ton of heat with the boys oh boy i i love it when they use shoot language here Nash is in his Tommy Hilfiger black jeans. They all have black jeans on. Nash says they've been described as a poison, a cancer, and self-servant. That's what they've been described as. And they've been described as company-killing bastards. And Nash is upset by this labeling. All they want is a fair chance and a clean slate. That's all they want, these good guys. They just want to be your pals. He just wants to prove that nobody does it quite like the NWO. Then Hall gets the mic, who looks terrible, by the way, in 2002. Hall says, hey, uh, he says, hey, guys, we're like you. We're a bunch of marks. (laughs) So Hall immediately making a lot of friends here with the crowd. And they just want to work with the WWF superstars. They, They might even get autographs and pictures and drink beer with the boys, which... Drinking beer is probably what Hall wanted to do, not necessarily with the boys, and that they don't want any trouble. And then they finally give the mic to Hulk Hogan, who gets a huge reaction, a babyface reaction, which totally blows this, it blows this angle up. At this very second, Vince should have known I fucked up. What was I thinking? Hulk Hogan is different from Hall and Nash as far as WWF is concerned. Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan, and Hall and Nash are Diesel and Razor Ramon. So I just, this very second, I would have said, fuck, I made a huge mistake. I made a huge mistake. What was I thinking? So 
Hogan gets huge Hogan chants. So these heels that are coming in to destroy the company are way over. Hogan says they're just here to make the place better. He thanks Vince McMahon to booze. So he does try to turn this crowd, but the booze aren't as nearly as loud as the chants for Hogan were. So he just says, God bless Vince McMahon. I won't let you down. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you and God bless America which I thought was an awesome line in 2002 to end with. Um, But a bizarre promo, a bizarre promo to take from these attacking forces. This is uh, a poison that's being injected into the WWF, Patrick, and what they're going to do is come out and give you a 10-minute monologue. So I just thought a weird way to introduce them. Not really what I had in mind with it, but, I mean, needless to say... It did what it needed to do, I guess. It brought the three guys out. It put them on camera, so it did that. Then they leave, and so I thought they were done for the night, really. I honestly did. I forgot how this night ended. And uh, so then we go straight to an exterior shot of the arena and the next match. Scotty Too Hottie and Dancing Albert, the hip-hop apotamus are out next. It's a tag team turmoil match, and the winners get a shot at the WrestleMania tag team title straps. Christian is out to his awesome theme and Sparks entrance with his boy Lance Storm, who I guess got rehired, even though being a WCW scab got rehired. I don't know how this happened. But Storm starts out with Scotty, quickly tags in Albert, who presses Storm and Big swings Christian. Albert lands a massive boot to Storm for a two count. Storm and Christian have to double team the the big man, and he double clotheslines them. An inverted DDT attempt is thwarted by Scotty, who super kicks Christian. Albert then comes back into the ring, misses a hoe train to Christian and Storm. Then a worm is delivered to Christian, but Storm stops it. An unprettier one, two, three. Storm holds Albert and Christian. And Storm will proceed with his buddy Christian to the next round. The Hardy Boys, who have made up since uh, apparently splitting up permanently the last time we saw them at Vengeance, they're back together. No problems whatsoever. No dissension here. Uh, they hit a gourd buster to Christian. Storm stops Matt's second rope leg drop. Storm and Jeff get hot tags. Jeff runs wild on the heels. Jeff runs right into Storm's half-crab. Storm accidentally knocks Christian out of the ring. Matt hits a twist of fate. Jeff hits the swanton, and they advance to meet the Dudley boys with Stacy, who are out next. Poetry in motion to Bubba. Devon dodges another uh, poetry in motion and then power slams Jeff for a two-count. Bubba puts on a standing figure four to Jeff. And then Matt makes a save. Dudley's work over Jeff for a while. Bubba goes to the middle rope but misses a senton. Then Matt Hardy gets the hot tag. DDT's Bubba. Leg drops Devon. Gets a two count. Jeff and Matt then hit a leg sweep neck breaker combination to Devon. Lita then spears Stacy, which I poor Stacy. Uh, Bubba then grabs Lita, but Matt stops him and then Bubba hits a Bubba bomb to Matt and Lita hits a flying Hurricane Rana to Bubba followed by Jeff hitting a somersault plancha to Bubba taking him out of the match and then Matt rolls Devon up 
escaping from a back suplex attempt, and the Hardys win, but Jeff gets totally 3D'd on the floor by the Dudleys before they leave, so Jeff is completely fucked. So Matt's on his own against Billy and Chuck. Welcome Billy and Chuck, who Chuck Palumbo, how did he get reemployed? We don't know. We just, just go along with it, even though he was a WCW guy. Chuck super kicks Matt. Uh, Gun hits the Famouser, and they are going to meet the APA in the finals of this tag team turmoil match as they made quick work of Matt Hardy. Farouk hits a flying shoulder tackle to Chuck for a two count. Tags in Bradshaw. Follow a slam to Chuck from Bradshaw. Billy and Chuck keep Farouk in their corner, put boots to him. Bradshaw gets a hot tag. Big boots Chuck and then takes him out of the ring. Clothesline from hell to Billy. One, two, three. Bradshaw and the APA get the win and are going to WrestleMania for the tag team titles, which in 2002, if you told me, are the APA still together in 2002 and asked me in 2020, I'd say, no, they're definitely not together. But they were, and they apparently won this match and went to WrestleMania, which I totally forgot about. So... Uh, this was a good opening match because it had a lot of different theme songs and teams in it. Was it a good match in the ring? No, it wasn't very good at all, but it was fine for an opening match. It got a lot of people a payday, and that's really all I can say about it. What do you think, Patrick? It was a good opening match. I think it uh, it delivered for what needed to be the the first match i i kind of like a tag team turmoil so i think we need to see that more often but uh yeah i like a tag team turmoil i think that because you don't see it very much frosted tips michael cole is here and he asks rick flair about the nwo flair says the wwf will teach the nwo about respect even though Flair had many years to teach the NWO about respect and never did, apparently. Taker then shoves Cole out of the way, gets right into Ric Flair's face, and says he's keeping an eye on him. The NWO has already made its impact felt here tonight. Michael, they've done a lot more than that. When they walked in the door this afternoon, they said it themselves. The whole place went upside down. And I can't believe for one second that the NWO would think they could stand in the middle of this great arena on a great pay-per-view and try and sell that bunch of crap to the wrestlers back here. There's a whole dressing room full of WWF superstars that are dying to walk out that door and teach these guys about respect the minute the NWO gets out of line. So what now? You an authority on respect too? You know, maybe you shouldn't worry about keeping your eye on the NWO. Maybe you should worry about who's keeping their eye on you. I suppose you're right. Gives you something to think about, doesn't it? So a preview of their WrestleMania match. Goldust, who returned at the Royal Rumble, is out next. He attacked RVD on the Raw before this, so that's good enough. Here we go uh, for nothing on the line. Goldust goes on the attack. RVD uses his kicks to slow him down. Somersaulting Moonsault on the Goldust for a two-count. Goldust regroups outside. Goldust gets whipped into the crowd. RVD goes after him with more kicks. Hits his spinning leg drop from the apron to Goldust, who's on the guardrail. 
Goldust responds with an elbow or a knee from the post to RVD out on the floor. I really couldn't tell which connected. Then a rear view from Goldust to RVD in the ring when they get back in for a near fall. Dustin stretches RVD's neck over the post. Dustin then catapults RVD into the ropes hit and over his knees, which was a really cool move. I haven't really seen ever again where he hits the ropes and stretches the dude over his knees. Goldust then using a lot of strange offense here for him, so he used a varied move set. As this was his first pay-per-view back in a singles match after his Royal Rumble re-debut, so uh, Dustin had a lot to prove here. And uh, for me, this was actually match of the night as far as in-ring work between these two guys. Like Dustin was in great shape, uh, put up a great fight, ended up losing, but still looked amazing, and RVD looked even better because he won so i thought this was the actual match of the night even though nothing was at stake rvd escaped with an inadverted low blow he didn't mean to hit gold dust in the dick rvd then backslides dustin for a two count lands a nasty super kick then a spinning heel kick followed by a kick off the top turnbuckle for a near fall then a rolling thunder gets two count gold dust misses his sliding uppercut rvd misses the five-star frog splash Goldust lands a stiff DDT. Goldust calls for the curtain call, but RVD escapes. A heel kick for another two count. RVD then dodges a bulldog. Another heel kick. Frog splash. A five-star one. And RVD gets the win in a fantastic match, like I said, between the two. My match of the night, really, because uh, I thought this was the best entering work between anybody, even though it was for nothing. It was just... Goldust was hungry to keep his job after he got it back, and that was it. What do you yeah, think, this, Patrick? This is my match of the night as well. I thought it over-delivered extremely. We go backstage where Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, runs into the NWO. Austin just stares a hole through them. They bring Austin some beer uh, delivered by Scott Hall. It's Budweiser, which Stone Cold Steve Austin has said that he hates before. Hall hands it to him and says, oh, well, you don't want it now. Maybe you can have it later. Austin just tosses the beer away. Hey, brothers. Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's the rattlesnake. Toughest SOB in the World Wrestling Federation. Wait a minute, Austin. We don't want any trouble, bro. We brought you a gift. Ice cold beer. From the NWO. What? I brought you some beer, man. A gift. That's for me? It's for you. You heard I like to drink beer? I heard you like to drink a lot of beer. I ain't thirsty. You want to save it for later? All right, man. Enjoy it, Steve. Thank you, What the man threw, brothers. And that's Which it. Which is shocking because I've never seen Stone Cold turn down a beer before. Well, he has said that he hates Budweiser. And uh, I think he doesn't like Scott Hall very much either. So this uh, didn't surprise me that much in retrospect. But if I was watching it in 2002, I would have said, what's wrong with Austin? He must be sick tonight. He doesn't want beer. That's what he needs. That's his fuel. That's how he gets out there. 
Uh, Booker T, another scab, don't know how he got rehired, is out next with Test, who I don't... Oh, he won immunity, so that's how he kept his job. The tag champs, somehow, are Taz and Spike Dudley. I shit you not, they are the tag team champions. I'm going to say, well, and uh, JR mentions it, they are the smallest tag team champions ever. So, yeah, that's... And I, I, I believe that still stands. Uh, I do as well. They uh, definitely... Well, uh, they're the smallest ever by by height. By size, I think Taz might get them into the conversation with other tag teams because he was giving up on his entering career here at this point and uh, had just given up and uh, was wearing his bodysuit here. He said FTW to uh, the world here. And uh, Taz hits Test with a clothesline and falls on his own ass when he does, so just sloppy. Spike tags in, runs wild on the big men. He rolls up Test, but the ref misses the roll-up. Booker tags in, hits a kick version of the heart attack as Test held up Spike. The heels double-team Spike. Test enters the match without a tag. No big deal, though. The refs don't seem to care about tags in late 2001 or early 2002. Tess misses an elbow drop, and Spike tries a spear, but Tess no-sells it. Acid drop attempt, and Tess just dumps him to the outside of the ring. Spike has been in the ring the entire time since getting the shit kicked out of him uh, to begin the match. A scissor kick and a spinneroony from Booker T, but Taz breaks up the cover. Then Spike hits a DDT to Booker to slow him down. Taz finally gets a tag, but so does Tess. Taz Northern Lights, uh, Booker T, then Taz dodges a big boot from Test, tries a Taz mission. Spike, though, has to help, hits the acid drop to Test. But Taz can't capitalize because he's groggy. Test tries a dirty pin, but Jack Doan catches him. He shoves the ref, who shoves him back into Taz, who locks on the Taz mission, and the champs somehow retain against these two guys that probably could have been main eventers, especially in Booker T's case. And somehow Spike and Taz retain their tag team belts against these losers. So, um, against these, well, they shouldn't have been losers, but they were losers, and that's Booker T and Tess. So, not a very good tag team match. Uh, Tess and Booker T look like fools, and Booker T was probably thinking, why did I give up my WCW contract to come here? This has been a huge mistake, and what have I done? So, yeah. Uh, what did you think of this tag match? It was a tag match. Let's put it that way. I wasn't a big fan of it. Coaches with The Rock. He asks how Rock's physical condition after Undertaker tombstoned him on a limo. Hey, how are you after your head got driven into a limo? The Rock is apparently fine. Uh, Taker, tonight, The Rock says, you are a dead man walking if you smell what The Rock is cooking. So The Rock, no selling, getting tombstoned into a limo. No big deal. Rob Zombie's Edge theme brings out the rated PG-13 superstar here. It's a rematch from Vengeance. Oh boy, we get Regal Edge 2 for the IC belt. This time, Regal is the IC champion. Jimmy Corderas checks Regal for Nux. This is important as Edge sneak attacks him before Jimmy Corderas can finish the checking of the tights of William Regal. And honestly, I'm going to skip right to the end because this is what it all comes down to. Edge fucked himself over by doing this. So, 
Uh, Edge hits an Edgematic for a two count, then a spear out of nowhere. He goes and gets the Nux that were on a pole. This was a Nux on a pole match. He gets the Nux off the pole. He screams, come on, you son of a bitch, goddammit. That's what he says to William Regal. Uh, William Regal then brings out a spare set of Nux that he had in his tights. And the power of the punch knocks Edge out and Regal retains the belt because Edge was too stupid to let Jimmy Corderas check him for his tights and his knucks. And so Edge, through his own um, impatience, does himself in and gets knocked the fuck out from knucks, which would have been discovered by Jimmy Corderas had he only let the man check him for knucks. So, knucks on a pole match here. A little uh, tribute to Vince Russo. Uh, did not really care much for this match. Uh, this is just as bad as their match at Vengeance. William Regal. William Regal at least tried the Regal stretch in this match. He got some of his finisher attempts in, so it was a little bit better outing. But these two just do not work well together. So I didn't have much to say about it other than uh, Edge is a fool. You got to let the ref check your tights, man. So uh, what do you what do you think, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I think he kind of jumped the gun and screwed himself over. Lillian is asking Kurt Angle about his confidence with Stephanie as the special guest referee for his match tonight. Against Stephanie, how is she employed? I don't know. She just tried to put the company out of business, but she's Vince's daughter, so I guess she's fine. She can come back and work. Kurt says he's confident he's going to beat Triple H because he's got gold medals. Of course, that's all you need. Kurt says Triple H would have made a terrible father if Stephanie had really been pregnant, which she would be later on, like a year or two later. So foreshadowing here. uh, Kurt, you obviously seem very confident as you head into your match with Triple H, and especially now that Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley has been named the guest referee. Hold on a second, Lillian. Are you insinuating that my confidence has anything to do with Stephanie as a guest referee? Well, as far as that's concerned... I am confident, confident that Stephanie is going to do a fair and honest job as the ref. But I'm confident against Triple H for a different reason. Because I am far more superior than him in every way. You see these babies? You see them? That's gold. I didn't win these babies at a state fair. Oh, no. I didn't get these out of a box of lucky freaking charms. I got these because I was the best in the whole entire world. And Triple H, if you're not still out of it after the beating that I gave you last week on SmackDown, I want you to listen very carefully. Because Triple H, Stephanie lying about her pregnancy was the best news I've ever heard. Because you would have made a terrible, lousy father. Oh, yeah. But cheer up, Triple H. Because tonight, I'm going to be your daddy. And daddy is walking out of no way out with the title shot at WrestleMania. And that, Lillian, is true. Foreshadowing. And then also foreshadowing his own angle. Because Kurt Angle says he's going to be his daddy. Uh, foreshadowing his Jason Jordan angle. So two predictions basically coming true from Kurt Angle. Uh, He's going to be a daddy, and uh, so is Triple H. So 
Kurt Angle is right on the money here. Rock and Undertaker's feud. Now, this is so stupid to me. Again, pro wrestling doesn't need to make a lot of sense, Patrick. I give it a lot of leeway. It can be really fucking stupid. I give it a a lot of cells can be stupid. Storylines can be stupid. I don't understand how a storyline with Maven eliminating The Undertaker or Royal Rumble somehow ended up in The Rock's plate. But that's what happened. They took all the heat that Maven got for eliminating Undertaker or Royal Rumble and gave it to The Rock. So, smart business there. Uh, You could have made a guy a superstar, but instead you gave it to an already established guy, and there you go. And then Rock made fun of Taker for getting eliminated by Maven. Then The Rock cost The Undertaker his precious hardcore belt to Maven on SmackDown. So, that's enough for this match. And uh, The Rock got tombstoned on a limo. In between that. Yeah, the school teacher Maven will always and forever have a pinfall victory over The Undertaker. Absolutely. He beat him for a belt, too. Not just... uh, Let that that sink in and problem solved right there. Yeah, but he should have been in this match, not The Rock. Um, That's my problem with it. Not so much that... They did give Maven a lot, but remember, at the Royal Rumble, he also got his ass kicked at the concession stand after he eliminated him. That's something that goes unmentioned a lot is like, oh, yeah, he threw The Undertaker out, but, yeah, The Undertaker ate popcorn while he beat the shit out of this guy in the concession stand and uh, made him look like a fool and then uh, ended up not feuding with him. So it was all for nothing. So (laughs) wonderful. Uh, Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Uh, Biker Taker is still coming out to his face theme. No jacket still, but he's got a fresh haircut. Man, his red hair is uh, out. He's no longer dyeing his hair, and it's short. And he's got his black pleather pants. So it's, it is 2002, so his pants are almost outdated. Rock's music hits, and he runs to the ring, which is so weird to see the Rock just run to the ring instead of taking his Open time. Sprinting. Yeah, I don't... Why is The Rock so heated here? I don't understand why The Rock's so heated over something that doesn't involve him at all, but he is. He's heated as fuck. So he he runs in, and he just tees off on Undertaker. Taker goes for a choke slam, but The Rock counters with more right hands. Taker lays him out with a big boot. Booger Red, as JR calls him, knees Rock in the back of the head. Rock botches a neckbreaker on Taker, which was embarrassing. Taker then beats Rock down in the corner for fucking that up. Then a sidewalk slam to Rock for a two count. Punching, kicking between these two as Taker gets taken out of the ring by Rock. Stumbles into the Spanish announce table. Walk and brawl before Rock clears off the announce table. Is that going to get used? No, just kidding. Taker crotches Rock on the guardrail. They brawl into the exit doors. No count outs, apparently, as the ref just lets us go. In and then right back out of the hallway, Taker then slams. Taker then elbows Rock on the apron a couple times, rolls him in, gets a two count. Taker locks Rock in a rest hold, a chin lock. Then Rock comes off the ropes, gets DDT'd by Taker. A bear hug to Rock from Undertaker. Rock escapes with right hands. Rock DDTs Taker, hits a spine buster, goes for the people's elbow. But Taker rises up, grabs him by the throat. Rock low blows him to escape. A choke slam to Rock, but Taker's gas can't can't pin him in time. So the Rock kicks at two. Taker hops on his bike and says, fuck this, I'm just going to leave. 
No, he's not leaving. He's looking for a lead pipe, which he forgot where he put on the bike, so it takes him a minute to find his lead pipe. He shoves the ref down. Ric Flair comes out to stop Taker from using the lead pipe, and so he chops at Taker, but then uh, Flair eats a big boot. The pipe then makes it into the ring. Taker misses with it, dumbass, then gets locked in a sharpshooter, which I almost thought, oh, my goodness, Taker's going to tap here. He's not, though, because Vince McMahon runs down, gets in the ref's face, Rock tosses Vince into the ring and tees off on on him. Tombstone attempt, but Flair, lead pipe shots Undertaker, then stumbles into a rock bottom. So Taker takes a lead pipe to the head, doesn't go down, but just stumbles into a rock bottom. One, two, three, the Rock gets a win. So there you go. Um, As this was all about setting up their mania match between Rock and Taker. I mean, not Rock and Taker. Taker and uh, Ric Flair. Had nothing to do with The Rock. Had nothing to do with Mafin. And really had nothing to do with Vince McMahon, ultimately. So, uh, very strange to see Undertaker still as a heel here. And um, coming out to Limp Biscuit And having to cheat to win. Uh, but this is what they wanted to do. And um, that's what they did. So, what are your thoughts on Taker and Rock? I mean, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fine, but um, 2002 Undertaker, still not at his peak. He's still not a very good wrestler. I hate to say it. He's he's okay. For a big guy, he's okay, but he's still very slow. He doesn't do a lot of varied offense. This is before he had like the Hell's Gate submission. This is before he had... Uh, The suicide dive that he was doing on the regular. Uh, He looks kind of plain without his, I hate to say it, without his long hair and without it or without his black hair, at least with just his red shaved head. He just looks generic. I hate to say it, but uh, the rock, obviously they still had not locked down their WrestleMania main event as far as, well, not their main event. They had that locked down, but as far as who's facing Hogan, I think they still had some hope that, obviously by the end of tonight, they still had some hope that Austin would come around and, and work with Hogan, but would not be the case. So uh, this did nothing to set up Rock's WrestleMania match. A number one contenders match next is it's Hunter versus Kurt Angle. The entire WrestleMania main event can change tonight, Patrick, as it always does in that February pay-per-view. Uh, uh, it always changes. There's uh, 100% of the time it changes. I mean, you go into February and you just know they're going to totally flex out of whatever main event they thought you were going to get. So... Triple H won the Rumble, of course, and Angle was the last to be eliminated, so that's the reason for this match. Triple H rejects Stephanie, so this brings her into this mix, as she reveals she's pregnant, and uh, they're set to renew their vows, because they had been married on TV already, so they couldn't do a new marriage. That was my Royal Rumble. 
and it was my only chance at winning it on my first try. And I will never forgive Triple H for that. I'm everything that Triple H is and more. I'm stronger, tougher, and yeah, I'm better. England's going to limp it on the game's ass. That's the good news for you. Now, Mr. McMahon just informed me that you and I would have ourselves a little match and no way out. You know, your title shot at WrestleMania, since you uh, won the Royal Rumble, that title shot is going to be up for grabs. Oh, it's true. Well, that's not fair. Listen, I know that you're in a really bad mood right now, but I've got some news that is going to change your whole world. I had an epiphany. It does seem like our marriage is falling apart. It does seem like we're fighting all the time. And I realized that there is only one way to prove our love for each other. We renew our wedding vows. Well, look, they renew their wedding vows. and we'll be the proud parents of a, uh, of a beautiful baby. And we're going to renew our wedding vows. That, that's smashing. It's, it's smashing. <laughs> it is smashing. Listen, uh, this showed up for you at Flair's office yeah. on his desk. He just want to make sure that you got it. Thanks, man. Hunter, look, on that tape, that guy's not a doctor. He's an actor. So for a smashing family vacation, come to St. Ives. Smashing beaches. Oh my god. Hunter, I am so sorry. Stephanie's been lying to you. She was never pregnant. Mr. McMahon and Stephanie are not aware that Triple H knows that the young lady is not pregnant. As I look into your eyes tonight, I see you for what you truly are. tape where the doctor is an actor and Triple H is an idiot. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is an idiot is what this storyline tells me because you would go to an OBGYN to have someone tell you that your girlfriend or wife is pregnant. You would not need Ric Flair to FedEx you a VHS of a guy's acting reel or just have a guy come to the arena to tell you yeah, you're going to be a daddy. So trust me, pal. That's smashing. 
Yeah, so Hunter is a fucking idiot. And at the, at the Val ceremony, though, he saw the VHS tape, so he said, uh, no, I'm not going to marry you, you no-good lying bitch, even though he would rejoin her at WrestleMania. But let's not focus on that now. That's for another day. Uh, so now the number one contendership is online as Stephanie comes out to Triple H's old theme or China's old theme. So if you're a Triple H's old girlfriend, you get his old theme. And she's going to be the referee, and I I don't say very many positive things about Stephanie McMahon, but she was very attractive in 2002. She was very good looking here, and uh, yeah, so she's the referee, and Jerry Lawler is in agreement as he just goes wild over Stephanie. Kurt Angle is out to challenge the game. Kurt goes for covers early. I skipped over Triple H's entrance because it took five minutes. Kurt goes for covers early so Stephanie can fast count him, but Hunter escapes every time. The crowd wants Stephanie to take her shirt off. And that was the state of women's wrestling in 2002. Angle accidentally clotheslines Stephanie out of the ring. Mark Eaton calls for help for Stephanie. A back body drop to Angle and Hunter sends him over the ropes as well. Hunter then smiles and laughs as Stephanie is on the floor needing medical assistance. Angle lights Hunter up with chops before Hunter counters with a neckbreaker. Tim White is sent in as the replacement referee. Corner punches to Kurt. Kurt answers with triple Germans to Hunter. Angle sucks chance as he belly-to-bellies Hunter for a two-count. He adds two more belly-to-bellies for two more near falls to Hunter for a total of five. Kurt then locks on a sleeper. Hunter rams Angle into the post to escape. Angle says, you son of a bitch, as he throws rights and corner punches, but Hunter uses a running power bomb to counter Angle's punches. Running knee from Hunter and a spine buster for two. The signature knee from Hunter for a two count. Angle runs around the ring to escape. Dex Tim White, low blow to Hunter. Angle slam. Stephanie runs down. She's miraculously recovered. So Hunter kicks out at two while he's watching Stephanie count to make sure she doesn't fuck this up. So it's very apparent when she's counting that Hunter gets two eyes on her to make sure he's not going to miss this and fuck this up. Kurt then takes the straps down like uh, Jerry Lawler used to do. Goes for the ankle lock. Hunter shoves Angle into Stephanie. A DDT to Angle, but both refs are down Tim White and Stephanie. Tim White gets knocked out of the ring again. A German suplex to Hunter. Angle misses a chair shot. Pedigree to Angle. Tim White rolls into the ring. One, two, and Stephanie elbow drops Tim White to break it up. Low blows him. Hunter stares down Stephanie. He grabs his wife and wants a pedigree to his wife, but Angle chair shots him to stop it, so who's the face and who's the heel here exactly? Angle slam, one, two, three, and Kurt Angle is going to WrestleMania to the main event. Or so you think, until tomorrow night on Raw when he loses the opportunity again. But uh, I do give them credit for at least trying to fool us that they are changing the main event on this pay-per-view because, like I said... They never seem to do this anymore or before where they would actually change the main event. But heading out of tonight, you thought, oh, the main event changed. And then at the end of Raw tomorrow night, if you bought this pay-per-view, you'd be pissed because they totally dusty finished you and fucked you over. But this match was okay. My second best match of the night, but uh, makes no sense Uh considering what happens at WrestleMania, but what are your thoughts on Angle and Hunter Hearst Helmsley? 
I think it was a good way to get Triple H in the match set up for next month. And Angle just needed something to do. He did, yes. The NWO come into Rock's locker room. Hulk wants a picture with The Rock for Nick, his son. Who I want you to know something. Literally, this is one of my favorite Rock promos of all time. Well, only because of what he does to Hall and Nash here. So well, yeah, he imitates Razor Ramon, so he does the the fake Spanish accent. And then he imitates Diesel and does the honking of the horn, which is, oh yeah, legendary rock uh, <laughs> promo. And then he says, you can take this camera and stick it straight up your candy asses, including you, Hulk, which you can say your prayers and vitamins and stick it straight up your candy ass. So Please, he- please insert this promo in here. That's uh, just a little bit of pain. Hey, it's the, the rock. Come on, guys. Hey, well, it's the people's champ. I'm a ball. Hey, this is my son's favorite wrestler. Really? Hey, how about a shot? Come on. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Picture with the rock. Yes, sir. For your son. Yeah. No problem. Here's Matt. Okay, you guys get in here. Ready? That's a good one. Something for the people's taste. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you just say? No, 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 no. Doesn't matter what you just said. See, you shouldn't have said that. Rock was being a man, no problem. Picture for your son, no problem. Rock will tell you what you could do with that camera. You, Chico, Razor Ramon. You take that camera, you shut it up your ass. And then what you do, you give it to your big buddy. Big Daddy Cool, Diesel. You turn it sideways, and then you give it to him. Give it to Hogan. Hogan, you take that camera. It's already shined up. Turn sideways. Eat your vitamins. Say your prayers and stick it straight up. Oh, your candy asses. Gross. I'll put it in the promo. I'll, I won't insert it, but I'll put it here. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Good enough. Jericho is walking towards the ring with both his belts. The highlight video sucks because I don't know what original music they had for this pay-per-view, but they took it out, so they dubbed over it with some generic music, and it's got no narration, so whatever. Uh, Austin gets his rematch, I guess, from Vengeance. Actually, there was a tournament to determine who gets the shot, so Austin won the tournament. It was a four-man tournament. Austin is out first. Uh, The champion... Comes out with both belts and spins around with them on the aisleway. So he's le champion and is loving it. Austin stares down Jericho and exchanges some words with him. Jericho flips him off. Austin returns the favor. The winner of this match will meet Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, of course. Austin gets slapped and then smiles at Jericho. Chops Jericho from Austin. Just relentless. He rams Jericho's head into the buckle to what chance is the what chance were everywhere tonight. He rams him into all three buckle pads, then hits a pair of suplexes to Jericho. Austin goes back to chops, swinging neckbreaker, puts Austin down for a moment as Jericho finally gets some offense. Austin and Jericho brawl around the ring. They walk and brawl up the set. Jericho goes flying into the tractor trailers. Earl gets a finger from Austin as uh, he didn't want to get back into the ring. Earl lets these guys go for a while out of the ring. Austin knocks Jericho into one of the projectors, which... Would have cost a bunch had he actually broke it. He threw Jericho into the projector that was hitting one of the tractor trailers. And this projector 
was the size of a small pickup truck in uh, 2002. So this was a very expensive projector that Austin threw him into. Uh, so uh, not planned as part of the show. What's that? Expensive piece of equipment. Absolutely. They get back into the ring. More chops from Austin, followed by a trio of superplexes and more chops. Jericho distracts the ref to low blow Austin. Jericho goes for the walls, but Austin gets out with his legs. Hot shot, elbow drop, near fall for Austin. Austin ends up outside. Jericho wants to chair shot him, but Earl stops him. They brawl on the table. Is this table getting used? No. Uh... Chris Jericho tries a lion salt when they get back in the ring. It misses. Goes to a chin lock. Austin then gets out, goes for the walls of Jericho, but he catapults Jericho into the buckles instead. Uh, Jericho goes for a stunner, but Austin blocks him. Austin then clotheslines him. Spine buster to Jericho. Austin goes back to strikes. He catches Jericho coming off the ropes for a power slam, but then Jericho responds with a bulldog and a lion salt that barely connects. He hits a nicer one just to make up for it. I think Austin said, go do that again, you son of a bitch. And so he did that again. Austin kicks out at two. Austin tries a Thez press, but Jericho blocks it, puts him in the walls of Jericho. Austin gets to the ropes. Jericho goes and gets him. Jericho goes and gets his WWF title belt, leaves the WCW belt behind. Earl takes a ref bump. Uh, but unfortunately, Austin hits a spine buster to Jericho on the title belt, but Jericho kicks out at two. A stunner is countered into the stroke. So again, Jericho using Jeff Jarrett's finisher move here, and he hits the stroke into the title belt, a head shot into the title belt, but Austin kicks out at two because he's stunk old Steve Austin. Earl takes a clothesline, then Austin puts Jericho in the walls of Jericho, And Austin, again, makes Jericho tap out to his own finisher, but there's no ref to see it. Jericho tries another belt shot, but Austin hits the stunner. But then the fucking NWO run down. Austin puts up a good fight for a little while, but then Hall hits the shittiest-looking stunner in history to Stone Cold Steve Austin. One, two, three. Jericho crawls over, and Jericho joins the NWO, I guess. No, just kidding. He leaves. While the NWO beat down Austin. They give him the spray paint, but not on his bald head, though, because I guess they didn't want to get their asses kicked. So uh, they they did that to Goldberg back in the WCW days, but would not dare that with Austin. So, yeah. So I forgot. I did not watch this pay-per-view, obviously, in 2002. 
I forgot that the NWO had anything to do with the finish. And it was clear to me that by having Hall do the stunner, they that was their backup plan. But by, okay, we'll just pair Austin with Hall because he hit the stunner. But the idea, because they had Hogan and Nash in there too, it was like, we're going to have Austin and Hogan. We're going to do Austin and Hogan. But if we don't, because we know these guys hate each other, we'll have Hall hit the stunner. And um, that's what they did. Austin, again, a terrible match. Like I said, uh, I don't really remember a lot of his matches from his last couple years of wrestling. Boy, he was in bad shape. He was more of a brawler than he was even after Owen broke his neck. He was in his most brawling phase, and it wasn't good. He was not having good matches. And so... Knowing what a perfectionist Austin is when he walked out of the WWF the first time after WrestleMania, I think it was partially because of his own performance because he was just tired of having bad matches and was frustrated with himself and was having problems in his personal life. And then he had the big walkout in the summer and um, that was even more to do with his personal life and everything, but... Uh, This guy, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think he's the greatest WWF superstar, probably. WWF superstar. I'll put that note in there. Even above Hogan. Well, maybe not above Hogan, because Hogan put them on the map. I'd put him at a very close number two. He definitely made more money than Hogan. He definitely... And his impact in in just the few years he had in the company. I mean, he only had... uh, seven years just about in the company and that's not even seven continuous years of pay-per-view after pay-per-view he did more in those he did more in those seven years than hogan did in his eight or nine years let's see he went from uh he was there in 85 probably 84 so he went till 93 with a couple breaks in there so he went nine years but he I think Austin did way, way more. I mean, Austin saved this company from going out of business. So, whereas Hogan just made them a big company, Austin saved their asses from going out of business. Hogan almost put them out of business by leaving. So, uh, it, it's debatable on who you could put number one and number two as far as WWF wrestlers go. But uh, Austin had a very bad showing again tonight. And. Jericho tried his best, and even like he had a botch or two himself, he wasn't even on point. So I just didn't really like this main event. I hated how it ended with the with the run in because you already had them introduce themselves at the start of the show. If you're going to end it in a run in, just save it for the end of the show. Like uh, Vince has already said they're going to be there. You know they're going to be there. Have them run in at the end of the show. Don't do the stuff with The Rock. You could do that on a Raw or a SmackDown. Don't have them appear until the very end of the show. And even though it's on the internet that, yeah, Hogan signed and Hall and Nash and maybe even hold Hogan off TV and realize he's different and bring in Hall and Nash to do the run-in, especially knowing that Austin's not going to work with Hogan. And just do things differently. I just don't like the way that this was put together and 
again, you're revisiting the NWO, one of the most overdone things in wrestling, uh, even though it had just started in 96. So in wrestling terms, it was young, but it had been done to death. It was dead. And I don't think this is the way to restart it. So uh, what did you think of this main event, Patrick? I mean, I think it was good. I think it delivered. Uh, it sh- definitely shows Chris Jericho um, for the abilities that he is and shows that he is qualified to be in a main event role. Um, I think Austin gave what he could in regards to not overdoing it to uh, – to try to save some of that for WrestleMania next month. But all around, I think it was decent. Yeah, I think it was... For a February pay-per-view, I think it was was fine as long as you are accustomed to what they offer you in a February pay-per-view. If you were somebody that just signed up, like if you were a fan of WCW in the late 90s and heard that they were coming back, the NWO and you signed up, I think you'd be disappointed because you got very little uh, out of them, and what you did get was, I think, disappointing. But for a regular viewer of, if you know WWF and the product they put out in February, I think you would have been like, okay, this is fine, Um, because February and December pay-per-views are just not very good for them. Um, But that being said, I think that it could have been better I wish they would have just had Hunter win outright instead of switching it again on Raw. And, yeah, I, I just – and set up set up the Rocks match a little bit more. I mean, I know they had Rock run him over with an 18-wheeler on Raw. Again, they, they didn't – they held out hope until the last minute. But it seems like the start of their feud was over a Polaroid picture, which is so stupid to think about when you go to that X8 match between them and realize the whole thing started over Hogan asking for a picture with The Rock. So um, the rest of the card was okay. And, um, yeah, on a rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you stack No Way Out 2002? Oh, Kevin Nash. A Kevin Nash. I am going to give it a... Booker T. I'm going to give it a, a little bit less. Uh, a, a pay-per-view that could have done more that was uh, sort of stuck. Uh, close close to being good, but not allowed to be good. That's a Booker T. And so for my pick this week, I wanted to do the same event, but the original one, the No Way Out of Texas 1998, which was the February show before WrestleMania 14, where they it's a very special pay-per-view to me because it's the first one I ever watched on television. Uh, I saw a pay-per-view in person. I saw Final Four in Chattanooga Live, as that was the first review we ever did. But the first one I ever watched on a television screen was No Way Out of Texas 1998, which was in your house, technically, No Way Out out of Texas. And um, the main event was supposed to have Shawn Michaels in it. Uh, It was an eight-man tag, and Shawn Michaels was supposed to be part of one of the teams and got swapped out, and he got swapped out for Savio Vega, and... I remember at the time being okay with that, but now looking back, it's one of the worst substitutions ever. 
But we'll see. We'll see if it holds up, and we'll see what happens. At No Way Out of Texas, 1998, as the lead-up to WrestleMania 14, is Sean going to make it there? We will. Well, he, yeah. di- he did. He made it there, and <laughs> he, he got uh, punched in the face by Mike Tyson. Uh, but... <laughs> This night he was not he was not gonna make it. So uh, my friend's dad brought his uh, cable to scrambler box, an illegal object, a foreign object, over to the house, not my house, his house, and hooked it into the cable. And I didn't know that this was before eBay, where you could just easily get these things. So I don't know where he got it from. So you could uh, tune this into the cable, and you could get all the pay per view was was free. So uh, we watched the show, and it went off. And after that was some sort of Howard Stern special, I think, from uh, the new year. Because I think this this No Way Out might have happened in... No, it was in February. They re-ran some Howard Stern dance special, so there's going to be naked people. And uh, so before that came on, I remember his dad came into the room and took the cable box. And I said, why are you doing that? And he didn't tell me. But then it occurred to me later on, oh, it was because there might be naked people on the screen. So uh, that's that's what happened. That's my experience with No Way Out 1998. But uh, this will be the first time I've watched it since then. So this is a, a, big, a big moment for me to go back 22-some-odd years. Is that 22 years? I don't know. Is it... 12 uh, yeah it's 22 years 22 years it'll be uh over 22 years to go back and watch this so that's what i want to do patrick is that okay with you absolutely all right well that'll do it for this week for the retro wrestling podcast thanks for sticking with us you got to listen to patrick's interviews with the original rope break on youtube which i listened to most of that one uh, that was a very good one. Uh, I put that on the feed. You also got to listen to his interview with the Sign Guy podcast, which I finally I finished it. I, wa- I listened to the second half of it, and uh, that that was okay. Uh, I'm not. Gonna <laughs> you got to give him more than one word answers, Patrick. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, that's what he wanted, so that's what he got. I know, but it's like when you would give him these one-word answers, he had nothing to do with it. He didn't... Not sign guy, the other guy. I'm not knocking them. I'm just I'm trying to... If you've listened to this interview and you want an explanation, this is... So the second guy... There's two guys that interviewed you on that one, and the, the second guy, he would ask you questions, you would give him one-word answers, and then he would pause... Then he would give you another question that was sort of strange, and then he would just pause again. It was, I don't know, it was off. It, I, I don't know what was going on in the second half of your interview. Those are on the feed. That's what you got this past week. You got three things this past week, so a very big week, even though we took the week off. But uh, anyway, if you want to catch up with us, you can go to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com or go to the Twitter page at Retro. W Podcast or our Facebook page, Retro Wrestling Podcast. Patrick, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook, Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling. Uh, Twitter, I'm more active on Facebook. I'm trying with Twitter. Facebook Messenger, I'm always wide open, whether it's the uh, show page or my personal page. Shoot me a message. Uh, I'm always willing. 
to talk to anybody, uh, answer any questions you may have. Uh, if it's a question that you're not sure about or something you just want to know, or if you just want to talk, I will gladly make sure to do that exact thing and, uh, and find out the answer if I don't know it or just shoot the shit. Well, that'll do it for this week. As always, you can go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code Retro Wrestling, get a, get a month for free. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. In March of 2001, WCW was forced to close its doors and was eventually purchased by Vince McMahon and the WWE. Once contractual obligations were met on WCW's part, McMahon decided to reintroduce the original trio in the WWE. I mean, this is a machine. The other place was an ATM, so, <laughs> you know. The NWO is a catalyst. You know, we make things happen. Might be something bad, but uh, something's going to happen. You know, it was a shell of itself uh, at that point in time, just like the, uh, you know, the war, you know. By the time they got here, you had seen that concert. It was done. It just didn't have the same aura to it, the same effect as far as watching it and feeling that this is something that's happening that's not supposed to happen. It just, it just felt like more characters coming in, so it just didn't have that same NWO feel that it did the first time around. This man can sell a few t-shirts to go sell them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, hey, I don't blame him one bit for trying to squeeze that last little bit of juice out of that turnip. The American people love to tear you down and build you back up when they're ready. This is like a dream come true to be part of the machine again. I mean, this is the house that Hogan built. There's a lot of fans here in Skydome that love this legendary figure. I knew in Toronto there were a lot of Hulk Hogan fans out there. I just didn't know how intense they were going to be. Quite frankly, many in the crowd chanting for Hogan. Years from now, people are going to be talking about this match saying, I was there, I witnessed The Rock and Hulk Hogan. Is he going to Hulk up there? He is! Oh my God! What you going to do, Rock? saw Hogan, but you didn't see any of those other guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, all the other guys, uh, you know, uh, crash and burn. Roar! Man, that was a thunderous rock bottom. He bought the electrified moon. It's going to the WWE. Keep it down. Clinton, what an emotional ride. Hogan extending his hand. Boy, when's the last time you saw a class act like that, Dale? The WWE version of the New World Order was meager at best. The magic was gone, and the restoration attempt failed. But the WCW version of the NWO was revolutionary and trendsetting and will forever be revered for its many contributions to the world of sports entertainment. That's how it goes I'll keep
NWO's legacy is a legacy of change. The NWO, to the whole sports entertainment industry, represented turning the corner. When they go back, when they turn the pages of history, you will have to focus on this time period when the NWO made it okay to step out of your house and tell the world, I'm a fan and I'm proud of it. I'll remember the NWO as being the thing that took WCW from a southern-based wrestling company and put it into the fray of entertainment. I'm gonna do what I wanna do, when I wanna do it, and there ain't nothing you can do about it! I will remember the NWO for the good times. Hunting is in the ring! He's pointing me! Great times, wouldn't have missed it for nothing. The NWO was a time you could talk about for decades, and people will still be brought in. All this crap represents these fans out here! You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Came into WCW, uh, we had an impact in a positive way. Business got good, a lot of guys had a great time, a lot of fans had a great time. It took our industry and made it hot again, it made it cool. NWO is just too WCW! Hey, yo! I wouldn't say um, we were the Beatles, but I'd say we were the least that one. <laughs> Wolfpack is a Yeah, it's at least that one. Four! 